Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Edelm. Today, from St. Louis, Missouri, or Greater St. Louis, Zachary Babcock. Zachary, how are you, my friend? Dude, Ryan, this is this is dope. Uh, we got to connect before we started jamming here, but I've been looking forward to, to making this happen for quite some time. Yeah, it's crazy. Kind of both of our spaces, right? Like, we caught up right before we started rocking live here, but like you and your story and me and my story, right? We're both Midwest guys. We both have essentially, I still think I'm obscure as could be, right? But come from some obscurity and start to see a little bit of traction, some run rate and success. And it's, it's cool to get to know, admittedly, man, that I'm just not alone, right? I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel fucking crazy. Like I'm the only person going through this because everybody else seems like they're either way the hell in front of me or can't understand what the hell I'm talking about. Do you, do you, do you feel the same way sometimes or is it just me? Man, I, dude, I, so I, I felt the same way you do. I was saying, like, am I the only one that feels this way? <laughs> even, like, <laughs> even go down the rabbit hole even more. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, and, and you know, there's other people out there that are that are like that, that are just like all in. You know, I want to live to my potential, but it feels like they're not in close proximity sometimes. I don't know. This in my neighborhood, it's kind of hard to find the same people that have that intense desire. Well, absolutely, and. And Zachary, I'll start every one of these shows, right? One entrepreneur to another. I know a lot of people that are listening in are either in the process of starting their own business or want to start their own business. And here, you're, you're a couple years into this. You've had some trials and tribulations we'll jump into. What, what do you think is one lesson that every either budding entrepreneur or startup in the first couple of years, what's one thing you think everybody should know? Dude, this is the most important thing. I, what I feel, what I truly believe to my core, the most important th- lesson that any entrepreneur can learn, especially if you're just starting out and you haven't broken through yet, is you can't skip steps, uh, steps or milestones that just can't be skipped. You can't, uh, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before, and you can't, it's, it's called learn, do, teach. It's not teach, learn, and never do. It's you have to develop real tangible, valuable skills that people want in the marketplace and you have to develop high character and that takes time and it doesn't happen overnight. And I know that's the unsexy answer, but it's the truth, man. Uh, everybody's in that instant gratification. They just want to, you know, I get it cause they're super ambitious and they want their goals now, but you have to put in the work, man. Man, that is, that is a profound way to say that. And as, as we talk about the work, right? Like let's dive into what the work is that got you hemmed up, right? Cause you spend time in, in, in prison. You, this is, this is not right golden spoon in your mouth, instant success overnight. You've 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 beat some things in your life. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it, to be honest with you, I wouldn't take back any of it because those I put myself in those situations. First and foremost, I take full responsibility. But going in the hole and hitting those rock bottom moments, man. You've had wrote those rock bottom moments, man. I know you could resonate with this. They build strength of character. They 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 forge mental fortitude. You know, that's you don't find by. Uh, you know, having things handed to you your whole life. You know, when you got to fight for something and struggle through pain, uh, it becomes a whole new level of uh, of hunger and intense desire and stuff. So I'm grateful for it all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, to me, some of the most impactful lessons I ever learned have been the times where I was getting my ass kicked the most. Right, like right being what I would have what I would have called wealthy at one point in my life, and certainly my new understanding of wealth, I wasn't wealthy at all. But in my mind, right, making hundred grand a month. Like, wow, I'm balling. Like I got it all figured out. And then being flat broke and having like literally cars get repossessed and a house get foreclosed on. I'm like, man, I got a thousand bucks left in my name. This, mm. this is hard. Like <laughs> this is, this is real hard again. Like life hasn't been hard for a long time. And now it's like, man, I, I might not eat today. Right. I got to make sure that the house gets paid for it. It was, uh, those, those are the lessons I think all of us 
should be learning in gratitude, right? It never feels like in the moment, like I hated my life. Right. I'm mad at everybody. Like, didn't blame everybody else, but inside I was mad at everybody else for everything else that didn't go the right way. Mm-hmm. And then really like on the backside, I'm like, man, that was, that was the best time of my life, right? My, my wife, who was my girlfriend, right? You just met her prior to hopping on here, right? She's, she's stuck by me. She's like, you're just better than this. Like you're better than the lies. You're better than, than all this stuff. Like I got you no matter what. And that was the first time where I had felt like someone just had my back, that it wasn't about money. It wasn't about something else. It was just about me. What's, what's on your side, right? I want to know, how did you end up in prison? I, I, want, I want to know the backstory before we get into this huge success in podcasting, all the crazy interviews you had, like your omnipresence is everywhere, right? I see Grant Cardone and Andy Frisella, like your hit list of interviews is and Bradley, like crazy impactful, but damn all that stuff. That's the fun stuff. I want to know the stuff before all that. Yeah, no doubt, man. I appreciate that too, man. Um, and I'll keep it real short, man. We can unpack more if you, if you, if you like, but, um, what it comes down to is, you know, I put myself there and I grew up without a father figure. Um, didn't really know what it was like to be a man. My mo- mother never got remarried or nothing. And I always wanted to do things to fit in with people and to be accepted. And I uh, had that acceptance. And when I didn't get that, I felt like a void or whatnot. And, I, you know, that was a character to flaw, uh, flaw of mine. Um, and so you know, I, I went on. I, I, I didn't have any chief aim or nothing in life. And I, I, would, I would use drugs. I started smoking weed at nine. Um, Really, Wait, just at, a, at nine years old, you started smoking weed. Yeah, dude, I know it's ridiculous. Man, I'm not even off a tricycle at nine years old, and you're smoking. You're smoking. Are you rolling joints yourself back then? How are you? How is that happening? Retarded, man. So I grew up in Ferguson, Missouri, and it's not as crazy as the media put it out to be. Like nowhere near that. Like it's not like the best of neighborhoods. You know, there's a lot of you know negativity or whatnot around. Um, but anyways, I, I grew up with an older crowd, my sister and stuff and got into that stuff. But man, I, 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 um, I only did this stuff because I wanted, like I said, to feel acceptance, but also to feel alive because I didn't have any chief aim or anything driving me. It just felt like I was going through the emotions and, um, you know, that led to a lot of poor decisions. By the time I was 19, I went away. My actual charges were, and, and this sounds horrible and it, it, it was stupid, but it was really just being a punk teenager going out, being bored one night, stealing stuff. But, uh, uh, stealing a motor vehicle, count of, uh, two counts of stealing over 500, burglary first, assault on law enforcement officer, and escape from custody. Just being a knucklehead going out. Yeah, I was retarded. And really didn't even have to do that. I just, we did that with, with, with the friends or whatnot because we were bored and we were teenagers and we were, you know, didn't know any better. So, yeah, I was retarded. So no Grand Theft Auto, though? No, I did get the stealing a motor vehicle. Okay, I didn't know if that was if you got if you pled down or if it was Grand Theft Auto. That, uh, was that first degree? Yeah, well, so uh, it, it was a it's class a class C felony in Missouri as a student motor vehicle because they had left their keys in the car uh, and and then we just took the car. Yeah, hey, which was, was retarded. I got I got a standing rule: if you're going to do something, you might as well do it with excellence. So even when you fuck up, you might as well fuck up in the best possible way you can. And you checked all the boxes, right? Fleeing and looting, a little bit of uh rough and tumble with the cops i mean good for you if you're gonna do it you gotta do it i mean be the best or be you know there's no half stepping right <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right I, I appreciate you can laugh about something that right i think at some point if we're all honest with ourselves i'll say at least most of the men in our generation right i'm 35 i'm gonna get the impression you're in between 25 and 35 right right 31 yep like our generation even like my father was there but he wasn't right like right and so i was raised more by my mother and so 
always seeking validation, never feeling like I had a place to belong. And I, I grew up in, a, you know, Mansfield, Ohio, a, a little town that right known for Shawshank Redemption movies about all that ever came out of our town. But like just never knowing where I fit, which is ironic that still in life. So often am I struggling trying to figure out, like, where do I fit? Where is my tribe? Who are the people? Where we're all one, at least in high school, I was drinking and partying and doing all types of dumb stuff. We just didn't get caught. Like, right. I, I think if all of us are honest, we were doing dumb shit that some of us got caught and some of us didn't. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah, true. Amen. So how long, how long were you gone for? Five years? Yeah, I, I, I got a seven-year sentence, and I did four years flat. Got out when I was uh, twenty. I went in when I was nineteen. Got out when I was twenty-three. Stayed out for about two years, and then I went back for eight months. So it was five years total. What what, what brought you back in? How, why do you go back? I got a DWI. Well, I got a so I got a, no. I didn't want to go back to prison, but I got this job right uh, at a bar and, uh, at a bar and grill as a cook because I couldn't really get any other job being a convicted felon. Um, and I was kicking ass, but then I got a job at this clothing store called the Buckle uh, in, in at the mall, and I. And I crushed it my third day there, sold 3000 a whole store, did 9000 in sales. I'm like, yes, they gave me a promotion. I'm thinking that I put my you know, old life behind me. I put in my two weeks at the bar and grill where I had stability in my life. And then two days later, like, yeah, you're a convicted felon. You got to kick rocks. After they just gave me a promotion, I'm like, what? But uh, <laughs> instead of uh, keeping my chin up, man, and search for other opportunity, I threw a pity party, got a DWI, and I went back to prison just 20 days before my twin sons were born. And that was it for me, bro. I woke up learning that I'm going to miss out on the birth of my, on my twin boys when, you know, I wanted to be a father that I didn't have my whole entire life. And now I'm missing out on that. And that pain in that moment, cause it was brutal in that, in that cell jail cell, learning them going back to prison, but that pain so grateful for it. Cause it got me to shift my entire paradigm on life. And I made a decision right there. I said, I don't give a fuck what it takes to I'm getting back home. I'm going to be a responsible father, happy and successful. I don't know what the hell that looks like, but I'm going to make it happen. And uh, it's been moving in a direction ever since. Well, yeah, and, and I think that's – I'm fascinated what happens after you get out, right? Because you go back for the second time, your twin sons are born, you come out. What? How do you reintegrate again, right? Because, uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm fortunate to be friends with some guys that have spent some time locked away, right? Felony, right? The, you know, federal pen, penitentiary type of stuff. I say fortunate because I think the lessons that can be learned from that are second to none, right? If, if and one of the things that everybody has shared with me is that re reintegration process is so difficult or so unique because, right, you get used to being told what to do and you, you know, you crave the freedom. At least that was their story. You crave the freedom. You crave to be back in quote unquote regular society, but you're so disconnected from regular society is you get back there and it's like, man, what, what do I do? Yeah. What did you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel you, dude, and that that falls right align, in line with my with my legacy goal. I and I hate to say that sometimes because so many people use the, the fakers that you see all the time. Not everybody's fake that says it, but they use those buzzwords like be authentic, vulnerable, create a legacy, and value like whatever. But um, no, it's important to have those legacies, some some purpose that's driving you, and that's that's a big thing, man. Like you mentioned, dude, coming out of prison, dude. You put yourself there. I get it. But once you go there, there's no forgiving you for your mistakes. That X walks around on your record for the rest of your life and you can't get a job, a decent job in corporate America. You might be able to land a good construction paying job, but what happens, you know, if something goes bad on your butt, whatever. But um, yeah, and, and, it, and it's a process or whatever. But how, what I did, 
um, is I, I came home and I was looking for a job. I had, I was like, I was going to start this business of selling t-shirts and wristbands that said, I heart Ferguson. Cause the whole Michael Brown situation had just happened while I was away in that eight months. And I was like, man, you know, I'm going to go and use this opportunity to spread goodness or whatever. Um, it's a hell of a business idea. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all got to start somewhere, man. An idea is an idea. Is an idea. Right. Um, that didn't pan out because it didn't have the capital and I couldn't get a job for two months. Well, well, Ryan, dude, I, um, I got introduced to network marketing. And at the time I didn't even know what the hell network marketing was. So you couldn't scare me off with the word pyramid scheme, <laughs> but, uh, I did that for about two years, um, built up almost a $2,000 residual, uh, income within my first six months. Uh, but it just wasn't my thing, but that's how I got my start. But I'm grateful for network marketing, even though I no longer do it at all. Uh, because it was like a, it was like a entrepreneurial college for me. And, um, more importantly, it showed me that, you know, Hey, my past doesn't define my future that I could create a life by design. And it introduced me to personal development and a whole lot of other things, man. Man, I love that. I love the fact you brought up network marketing just across the board. Like I think, especially right now, there's this, you right. Being an entrepreneur is a buzzword, right? And right. people look down at the network marketing world. Like, like you said, pyramid schemes and all this stuff. Like, I think we, uh, we can be honest. This shit's not for everybody. Like it's okay to learn on someone else's back that in order to create a product and infrastructure to see if you have what it takes to go out and be a salesperson, to go out and be your own marketing, to be your own follow-up, like, and not have the headache and the liability of realizing like, Oh shit, I got to come up with a product too and customer service and fulfill. And like it network marketing is to me, not a bad term. Right. Certainly just like in any business, though, there's shysters and there's people that offer legitimate stuff like, but that's every world. That's not just the network marketing MLM world. Like you have an S2 shirt on. We're talking about Andy and the guys at first form and all the stuff that you've created. We'll jump into that in a minute, but right, they offer an incredible high quality product they have for years. They actually give a shit, but we could go to any supplement store in the country and find twice as many people that don't give a shit. that just put something out there. And none of us look down our noses at them for what they've created. We just stay away from their product. So I love the fact that you're talking about network marketing because I think it's something that, honestly, I think everybody should be in sales at one point in their life before they make that entrepreneurial jump. Like if you haven't sold cars before or cell phones before or insurance before or network marketing before, this is just not going to be for you. It's not, not going to work. You got to sell. I don't care if you hate it. I was just talking, dude, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just talking about this. I made a post about it. Like if you feel, if you're heading into 2020 feeling like sales is slimy, you're already losing because you have to sell. And guess what? The only reason why sales would ever feel slimy is if you don't believe in what it is that you're selling. If you don't believe that it actually transforms lives. And once you know that you have something that actually changes people's life, you can't wait to sell your ass off, dude. Um, but dude, if you, you have to sell it, it, everything, every interaction is persuasion, bro. Every, every, dude, our kids persuade us to, uh, to, to stay up later and to get ice cream and candy. We persuade them to eat their vegetables. Our friends persuade us to go check out this restaurant or new movie that's coming out. Our, our people persuade their boss for a raise bosses, whatever. Every single interaction is, is persuasion. So you, you hit the money, you hit it on the money with that. Yeah. And I, I love that about than just, just your post, right? And, and that, that ties in the power of social for you and I, where, right, you went from network marketing and what was, right, 
what was the next transition, right? Because that, that got you the stabilization, right? I'm a, I'm a big psychology guy. So that started to fill Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Your food, water, shelter, the way you can communicate, your self-assurance, all that was locked in all of a sudden, right? You're, you're back in the game. How does that go into your current life? Like, what's that transition? So I think you're going to like this. I'm big on the, on the, on the, on the psychology stuff, too, and, and talking about Haslow's and stuff. So you're right. I, I had that, that first level, right? But here's my psychology, bro. I, you know, most people, um, uh, their, their need to avoid pain is stronger than their desire to gain pleasure. And I feel like that's with everybody to an extent, because once you hit a certain pain threshold, that overweighs any like pleasure, I feel like. But in many cases, my desire to gain pleasure is stronger than my need to avoid pain. And it's shown up constantly in my life where I put myself in these risky, crazy situations. Well, for once we started moving into like the good life where I'm actually living straight now, I cut the cord on the network marketing because it wasn't for me anymore. I started feeling slimy. So I went back to ground zero. And yeah, granted, my business did crumble from the 2000 a month residual to what it was making like 700 a month uh, after auto pay or whatnot. But I still cut the cord on that little safety net and went all in on what I'm doing now, which was scary to do. But I was like, you know what, man, I just didn't feel right. So what I moved into was, uh, <laughs> it was a, uh, it was life coaching, bro. And I, and I didn't know anything about solving a specific problem for a specific person that my marketing just was garbage at the time. And so I didn't make a single penny or help a single person as a life coach. And that went on for almost over a year. Damn nothing. Yeah. Just man, banging my head against brick walls, trying to figure it out. Man, but I, I love the honesty there with the fact of the G. If you need to press pause and go back about a minute and a half in this episode as you're listening, because what Zachary just said is he didn't have an ideal person he was speaking to. He didn't know their exact pain points he could solve for. He just wanted to help people. And I know from where I sit as someone that helps coaches, man, that's like 80% of the people I get the pleasure of speaking with. They're like, I just want to help people and it's not working. I'm stuck here well you got to know who you're trying to help and how you're going to help them and actually crazy part like you said the slimy stuff if you don't like to sell and actually know with 100 percent certainty all the time that you can actually fucking help them because right. people if you know that part the rest eventually will take care of itself when you figure out the the other pieces and parts but it has to be the, to me you've lived this shit like just like we just spoke about we're gonna your podcast and all the crazy stuff you offer now the tremendous value like i can teach somebody how to get 50 or 60 grand a month in coaching because I fucking live it myself. Yes, exactly. I didn't read it in a book. I didn't pontificate like, oh, I think if we do this, this, and this, no, no, no motherfucker, here's, here, here's my balance sheet. Here's the Stripe account if you need to see it. Here's how this stuff all works. And that might sound, sound a little aggressive to you as you're listening, but there are just so many people right now across the board that are saying over and over again, like, this is the way you should live your life. Whether it's a life coach saying, you live your life this way, right? Take care of your family first, and you get to know them behind the scenes, especially some of the tribes and circles you get access to, Zachary. Like, you start to meet some people behind the scenes, and the way they show up on social, and the way they show up on a podcast, and what they pontificate you should live your life by is not what they're doing off camera. And for me, that's like, I just don't get it. Like, I get it, but man, does it piss me off because then if I bring it up or you bring it up, we're throwing shade, right? We're casting dispersions. We're taking shots of people that are more successful than we are. And it's like, and I don't, I don't even look at it that way. I don't look like anybody's more successful than anybody else. We just have been through more shit than somebody else or not through enough shit yet. Like 
again, maybe that's just my crazy pretense belief, but like we both spoke, how much money are you going to make this year? Man, I'm, I'm, if I make anything less than a milli, I'm going to be pretty upset and pretty disappointed in myself because it falls back on myself. Now nah, I'm all about, though, setting the attention, freedom from the outcome. 100% and same thing here. Like This will be the first year in my life where 100% based on my own shoulders, there's seven figures of income. Right. Now, I'm not so married to it that I'm, right, if I don't hit it, I'm going to jump off a bridge or something like that. <laughs> but I also know the intentionality behind it is I know how many people I have to help and impact, not only for free, but for different dollar amounts, because it's all about impact. I mean, it's all about actually taking what I've learned and sharing it with people in a way that they can implement it so they can pass it forward and spread it on deeper. Yep. But I share that because as you're listening, I know those statements did one of two things to you. I hope it inspired the shit out of you because you got an ex-con in front of you right now that you're listening to that has had all types of ups and downs. And you got a dumbass from the Midwest that used to cram steroids and went bankrupt and a whole bunch of crazy shit that's also saying the same thing. Where, right, neither Zachary or I had a, a big social following. We didn't have silver spoons in our mouth. We've made some mistakes. We've had some successes. But we both have the same goal and ambition. So I hope it inspires you versus some of you, I'm sure it pissed you off with like a million dollars. Nobody needs to make a million dollars. Well, for me, I know if I make that much money, the good I can do on so many different levels, like that aren't just material possessions and stability. It's how can I continue to make a bigger impact? Because you and I get living in the Midwest, right? You'd be from St. Louis, me and Columbus. We're not, we're not in New York or LA. That, there's, there's a lot of extra money sitting around if you earn that sort of living. Oh yeah, dude. And, and I'm so with you on that, dude. Like I like to say the things that, that uh, what's the best way to put it? I like to say what, what's, what's real. And what I mean by real is what really needs to be said. And a lot of people are scared of saying it because they're afraid of how it'll be perceived by other people, but they know deep down inside that it'll really impact positively impact the lives of other human beings. So here's my thought on money, bro. Money, you got to wire that and have a great loving relationship with money that it's a good thing because the more money you have, the more good you can do. So if you say, if you're constantly virtue signaling saying, Oh, it's not about money. I'm so selfless. Well, that's a lie because we're all selfish, selfish to the core. You have to fill up your cup first. I got my little money cup before you can fill up any other cups. You know what I'm saying? And so when you could do that and, and, and fill yourself and know that, hey, I'm, I, I want to make as much money as I possibly can because I know I could do so much good with this money. If you're, if you're all about making impact, you can make way more impact with money. And I know it's a whole huge rabbit hole that we could go down. But I just want to say because you brought that up and I thought it was really important. But I love that because now we're getting into some of the quantum mechanics that go on in the world. Like, I believe everything you just said, right? With yeah. there's a, again this, this line that was something I shared yesterday manifestation alone is not going to get you the results you want, but goal setting alone is not going to get you the results you want. And executing every day is not going to get you the results you want. It's going to take all that and a bunch of other shit to get you the results eventually that you want that are be different than you want right now, right? Like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not any one thing. So it's like you have these tribes of people which is completely natural with the way that we're wired right if we look at psychology we want the tribalism we want to feel like we fit and belong and you have the tribes of people like no no, no just manifest everything and then you have the hardcore entrepreneurs are like fuck you you can't manifest anything and then, <laughs> it's gonna work <laughs> yeah and then you have the task order and people would say like i don't even i don't need a plan i don't need anything i seem to go out and work and i'll figure it out i'm like man can't can't am i the only one that sees that it's really going to take all these pieces and parts that somehow come together in a little you know in your own little box and fit in your own little puzzle the way that's unique to you, but it's going to take all of it, right? And in, in some capacity, 
I don't know, Ed, you, you, I, I want to talk about all the crazy people you know and you've got to interview because that's super exciting to me as a podcaster. But at some point, the Grant Cardones that you spent time with or the Andy, I know Andy, right? So that's, that's a, I can speak to him. They all had this crazy internal visualization that they were going to achieve a level of success that was higher than anybody around them felt comfortable talking about. Right. Right. It was just like, no, no, I'm, I'm just, that's just where I'm going. And people laughed at them and said they were fucking crazy and like lost friends and took up like Andy sleeping on the couch, Andy and Chris and all that stuff. And it's like, man, no matter how you look at that, that's, that's manifestation in some capacity, right? You're creating the synopsis in your brain to start firing, searching for the solutions to the problem you're presenting, which is achieving that level of success, right? Like I want to make a million dollars. I'm going to make a million dollars. I feel as though I've already made a million dollars. I know what it feels like energetically. I know what I can do to help people. I just have no fucking clue how it's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to create goals and benchmarks to check in on my progress. And I'm going to take imperfect action consistently to try to achieve it. And it sounds like if I'm, I want to know your thoughts on all this stuff because it's rare that I get to see somebody that is instantly saying the same crazy shit that I say. Most people look at me like I have three eyes when I start talking about, right, some of the quantum mechanics that exist in the world. But it seems like people believe a lot of the same stuff. Dude, so I'd like to ask you a question because we, we jam- we're on the same wavelength here. What do you think it is? Because, like, it's easy for guys like us to, to see that and to be able to bet on ourselves and take those risks when we don't know how things are going to pan out. Like, going back to my story, I didn't know how I was going to be a happy and successful person be in my kid's life. I just knew I just had strong enough reasons why I had to do it in the first place. Um, same thing, dude. Early in the, in, in, at the very end of 2018, I was broke. All right, dude, check this out. I was, I was flat. I was, I've been out of prison for over four years now trying to figure this stuff out. And it got to the worst point. Dude, I'm talking about broke, backed up on bills, water shut off, four kids to feed. Shit was bad. And I went and got a, a, a title loan on my Chrysler Aspen for 4K. You know, title loans, uh, the interest rates on those are ridiculous. Uh, just to invest into this mastermind to learn how to craft and all, how to select an audience, craft an offer, and write the copy for that, for that audience uh, and that offer. And people said, you are dumb as fuck. But, and I didn't know how it was going to pan out. I just knew I, I, the reasons why I had to do it, and my back was against the wall. Eight months later, generated over six figures in my business because I was willing to bet on myself in this situation. But why is it that some people can't pull that trigger? You know what I'm saying? Like, and and how, do you, how do you break through those people? It's like, it's like, have you felt enough pain? Is your back against the wall enough to where you're ready? Just like, I, I don't care. I'm coming out like a warrior. Or like, what are your thoughts on that, bro? Man, that's a profound question because yeah, right, it's, it's deep. inevitably right at the service level, it would be any of our backs are pushed hard enough against the wall and we have to decide where that wall sits. But think about as you're listening, the worst times in your life, you're still here, which means you overcame them, right? Which means something triggered off inside of you like, fuck, I don't have a choice other than to go do something. And admittedly, in some capacities, it can be very polarizing. Maybe that thing was you had to go out and steal something and sell it. You just didn't get caught. Like something happens in which you figure out how to get past that little sticking point. The question to me becomes, from a psychological standpoint, what is actually happening that creates that belief in some of us and is more difficult to access in others, right? Because by my story, is different from yours in the capacity it sounds like, right? I grew up in a 
upper middle class Midwest home. We didn't really want for much. I did have a mother and father present, right? I didn't realize that we were middle class or upper middle class. Like I wouldn't have said that when I was growing up, but looking back and going back to like my hometown and seeing the neighborhood, like that's what we were, right? I, I, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor that came into my life at 14 that had this massive amount of success, which I didn't really conceptualize what that took at that moment. But like, I just started seeing like, man, he, he got a new seven series in 99, like 1999, he had a 740 IL. <laughs> and like, I was like his errand boy, right? Detailer, car detailer, property curator, all this stuff. I was a bitch, right? Which is cool. I'm, I'm good with all that. Like I, we can pretty it up all we want to, but I, I was really good. And I remember him tossing me the keys to the car and says, clean it up. And like, it was, I was 16 at the point and had to like drive it to the office and do some different things. And I remember sitting behind the wheel of this car with like a thousand miles on it. It's a hundred thousand dollar car. I'm like, holy shit, this, this is what success feels like. Like, I had no idea how much money the man makes. I still don't have any idea. It's none of my business. I just knew this material thing in my hand and how it felt to be in the driver's seat. I'm like, man, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Like, and that was what clicked for me was seeing his success and his drive and his work ethic when he kept acquiring more and more. And he wasn't stopping, right? Like boats and cars and houses and, and it was like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to just keep working. And I'm like, man, if, if he can do it, I can do it. And it, it really, I don't know if I've ever said that out loud because it wasn't a thing in which he was, I don't know. It just felt like, I think there's, there's some of us, Zachary, that are just wired. Like there is literally not a motherfucking thing on this planet that I can't do. Like a hunt, like nothing. If I want to stop right now, shut all this shit down. I want to go be a neurosurgeon. I guarantee you, I can figure that out. Yeah. Like, let me ask you this. Unequivocally, I know I can. So you, you mentioned earlier in the episode, because we got this similarity, like how, you know, you said your father was in your life, but your, your mother, you were just raised more by your mother. Mm -hmm. Was your mother like super affectionate, like always built you up and really, you know, like gave you that, that sense of belief and always was encouraging to you? You know, what's really interesting, Zachers, I don't, I don't know that I... I'm sure she was, but if I'm sitting here trying to remember an instance in which I felt that, what I actually felt was the opposite. I felt like no matter what I did for my father, it wasn't enough. And so I remember my mom coming back in, like on the backside of my father saying like, I, I didn't do this right. Or I didn't do that. Right. And her being like, no, it's all right. You did a good job. Right. So it was more of like the, the patting me on the back is more what I felt from her. And again, this is the, the craziest shit that exists now, right? All of our perception is 100% the reality that existed for us. So right. I'm, I'm sure my parents were phenomenal people. I'm sure they loved me to death. I'm sure they did everything quote unquote, right. But my perception of my reality of that situation was vastly different than that. Mm. Right. Where my dad was authoritative and aggressive and frustrated because he was never home and was only worried about accumulating wealth. And so when things didn't go exactly right, he would take it out on me. That's my story. And by the nature of that, my mom was insecure because my dad was tough on my mom. And my mom would do that and try to like leverage and make sure my sister and I were always taken care of. And she loved us to death. But then when my parents got divorced, my mom started dating an alcoholic guy and my father moved really far away. And so now all of a sudden it's like I'm 14 and I'm kind of on no man's land, which at 14 is super cool when you have a mom that at that point is enjoying partying and drinking. And I'm like, I'm the fun house now, right? I'm, I'm the party house. We're, we're having a great time in my house all the time. So it's interesting you ask that question because 
man, I, re- I was, I was more, I am more motivated by removing pain from my life than I am by seeking pleasure. Like I have a super high pain tolerance now because all the dumb shit I put myself through. But I realized as I create goals and visions for myself, it's not enough for me to say, I need to make a million dollars or I'm going to make a million dollars. I have to have, if I don't make a million dollars, I'm going to do this really horrible thing to myself, right? Like my Q1 goal, shit, we're on this topic. I'm, I'm easy. My Q1 goal is to make sure I'm at a quarter million dollars of impact, right? That I'm, I'm making a quarter million dollars. Like that's, that's where I'll be at in the first quarter. And if not, I've committed to completely shave my face, shave my head and shave my eyebrows, like straight off. Like wow. I dick, love that dude. Dick razor style. Yeah. Because then like I can't run from the shit. Like I'm on camera all the time. Like right. I'm gonna have to explain to people they're gonna be like, what happened to you? I'm like, well, I set a big goal and I didn't hit it. Mm. But I also know myself enough to know that's not going to happen because of the goal that like I'm not gonna be the guy that has to shave his head on camera with a bic razor and have to explain it for the next really probably 90 days for my hair to grow back. Yeah. Right. But like I know myself well enough from tapping into me saying admittedly, like, damn everybody else. Like, I don't care what works for somebody else. I've learned it, but I know what works for me. And I have to have the pain point because, right, saying I want to go out and buy a Rolls Royce ghost, which has been my car forever. Like, I want a ghost. It's not enough, right? Like, that's not really a motivator because I have a car. Like, Mm -hmm. cool. Like, it's a a material trinket because I've lost all my material shit before. I'm realizing that just doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is avoiding pain, which I love the fact that you brought that up because I say it to most people, and again, it's like, man, you're fucking crazy. People don't work that way. I'm like, no, 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 that's serious. We all work that way. There's a reason why as kids, we, we can't help ourselves put our, our hand on a hot stove, even though our mom slaps and tells us not to, right? We, we need to feel the pain to realize we don't want to feel that again, yep. which I think, again, is why so many entrepreneurs, especially men, especially in our generation, are building businesses and then burning the shit to the ground because part of us don't know how to deal with the stress and part of us are doing it because we need to feel alive still because we stop feeling alive. It's like, man, if I'm not overcoming something, if I'm not crushing something, if I'm not figuring something out, if life is stable, I feel uncertain because my life has never been stable. Like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm waiting for myself to fuck something up. And so it's that, like in that manifest destiny of like, man, this, this is too good to be true. It's going to break. And then what happens? We fucking break it. <laughs> yeah dude i do we're getting on some uh going down some rabbit holes but i love it though dude and it it really is man and, and if you think about it too man that that whole psychology you're talking about like as i was sitting there as you as you were just saying that right now as you're talking about like we go and crash and burn stuff like for me dude like if i don't if I, if I if i don't feel like i'm breaking through something like 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 for an example i'll go and travel now and i've traveled so much to where i don't even feel it's not even exciting anymore. I went to Puerto Rico the first time. I went to John Lee Dumas' house to interview him. And I'm like, I didn't even get – dude, to even go back to that, like, I, I went to Tony Robbins' event back in uh, uh, 2018 in the summer. And, you know, they do the whole f- uh, firewalk thing. Everybody – like the first night, everybody's all freaking like, oh, my God, we're getting ready to go walk on fire. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm not even moved by it. I'm not – like Tony Robbins, I love the dude, and I love his stuff. But I was like I – was, I didn't get moved by the whole firewalk thing. I wasn't even worried about it because I'm like, in my mind, I'm sitting there like, well, for one, it, it, nothing's going to happen because we, they get sued if somebody, you know, somewhere happened. But everybody's freaking out. And I'm like, I don't know. I guess it's because of all these experiences that I've already had, like you're talking about, that it doesn't even phase you no more at that point. And I, don't, I don't know. It's like, it's weird, but it's a whole whole rabbit hole going down. But it's like, I, I, I always am searching for something that makes me feel alive. 
And I get that by pursuing my dreams, my goals, hardcore, like, like that creative outlet. Last thing. All right. The reason why I asked you that question about, about your mother earlier is because I got the chance to uh, interview Robert Greene uh, on the podcast not too long ago. I was like, if I could be mentored by anybody in the world, it, personally mentored, I would choose him without a doubt, just because I love his work. Um, but I got to talk on there and he was talking about how that mother son relationship versus like if your mother would always instill confidence and affection in you as you know, growing up, like that makes you super ultra confident in life. And that's where I get mine from. Cause my mom was always in my corner, even through all the shit I put her through. But, um, uh, to, um, I'm going in a million different directions on this here. Uh, but, uh, but about the, um, about the feeling alive thing though, man, he talks about though, like before I would, I would do drugs or put myself in risky situations or whatever, just to feel alive. But he, and he talks about that in his book, Mastery. He says, but once you find that creative outlet that you can express this in and feel alive, none of the, you don't even think about that stuff no more. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's me, dude. I used to, dude, I used to bang heroin, shoot it in my, in, in my veins, smoke crack, pick crack crumbs off of motel carpets. Like I was out there bad off the deep end, bro. And I don't even have not even, that, that, that's, that I could, you could put those people in front of me doing that stuff in, in front of my eyes and that would disgust me. Now I wouldn't even come close to thinking that cause I have my creative outlet now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know. It's like you're all, like you're so right though. I'm always searching for that thing that makes you feel alive, man. It's I don't know. It's powerful. So talk about feeling alive. Like, what's your? How are you afraid to die? No, but I am. But I say no. But it's like I I, I can't say I can't give a real answer to that. Like I would have to experience it and really be put in that situation to really say yes or no. But I've been in situations where like where a lot of people would be freaking out and I'm not freaking out because I've seen some, I guess my, my experience is a little bit in, in certain things a little bit higher. Like, well, this doesn't freak me out. But so I don't know, man, it's a hard question to answer, bro. (laughs) For sure. Like I, I, again, I feel like I'm crazy sometimes. Like I have zero fear of death. Like I'm curious. I want to know how I feel. I want to know what's next. My fear is that I will have left things unaccomplished here that would benefit people at a level that it would be like, I sure changed the people that were closest to me. Right. So if I walk out and I got shot, if someone holds a gun to my head, like I'm not going to want I don't want to die. Right. It's not like right. I have a death wish, but like, but Hey, it's going to, it's, if it happens, it happens. Cool. Like, what yeah, can I, you do about it? I'm good with it. But my, my thing is like that impact, like we say, and, and again, that word gets overused and, but for me, I just know there's something still, there's still something greater. Like there's still more I get to do. And so I don't want to leave prior to doing whatever that thing is, right? I don't know that thing is sharing words on a podcast, right? I look at all this as I call it the progress or the process of progress. Like this is, mm. this is a building block to something else. And it's not that I don't love our time together. Like, dude, I'll be honest, I guess a hundred times, like this is the shit to me. I love this. But like, who, I can't see two years ahead. Like, I don't know what, I know what the next week or two looks like. And I'm getting good at planning on the next month and I have goals for the next year. But shit, look, if, if we're honest with ourselves, look six months back. There's no way you knew where you would be right now six months ago. Bro, I try to plan everything out. Like I got this freaking thing right here where I time block everything. I can't even plan out a day without things. Everybody's got to plan until they get punched in the mouth, the old Mike Tyson quote. Yeah. I mean, I try to say on stuff that, you know, things, have, you know, and as long as you have that sense of direction, but yeah, man, 
you you were just saying something about uh 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 the plan not the plan we were talking about uh it was so important bro it's when that shit happens it, it, it's on top of your head and then it and then, it, and then it's gone god damn dude what was it dude yeah so we're i, I was i dropped a little bit about right the, the plans going forward not being afraid of death but knowing there's something greater there that's what it was my only fear you're asking about fear my my only fear bro I'm, I'm like you and it's it's different worded differently but the only fear i have in life is having regrets when i when i'm dead like if i i don't care if i don't achieve all my i mean i do care i want to achieve all my goals but if I'm at the end of my days and about to die and shit, and I look back on my life and knew that I didn't give it my all, that scares the shit out of me more than anything else. But if I didn't achieve my goals and knew I put it all on the line, I would be totally chill with that as long as I knew I gave it my all. And so that's literally, like, in my mind, the only thing that I fear, because I would hate to be that miserable knowing that I could have done more, but I didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I kind of do what you're talking about. Like I say that I'm moved more by my pleasure and sometimes like I'll taste, take those risky situations. But when it comes down to it, like I said in the beginning, I really feel like it comes down. We're all moved by pain at the end more because that's what ultimately got me to change my life around when I felt that pain of missing my twin son's birth and that pain. Um, like, like, like at the end of the end, end, end of the life, like that pain, that visualization of visualizing something that's, that's painful. I like to visualize negatively more than I like to visualize positively. I do both, but I like to visualize what my life would be like if I don't do something. Like if I, if I continue to eat the same way and I'm, and I'm a hundred pounds overweight or whatever, like, how am I going to feel, you know, what's that going to be like? And that moves me in the other direction. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I mean, for me, one of the big changes I like for you as well was Gianna, who I'll call my daughter, right? She's stepdaughter, bonus daughter, whatever you want to call her, but being able to take my lessons figure out right the, the tie to mother and father during those developmental years and start to realize like really my my goal is to make sure that when she's my age she doesn't have to overcome the same things like if we look at right that ascension right i'm a big believer in spiral dynamics as far as a, a psychological construct and how we're we're all evolving as a society but also as individuals like the goal is to keep ascending if you will and if, as long as i pause enough and make sure that my kids or the people that are right younger generation like time out, like you just said, is is my wife always doing every, everything she can to increase our daughter's self worth, self confidence? Like, am I doing everything to have her see what an appropriate male figure looks like? The way I treat her mother, the way that I'm focused on her, like so that we're always growing as a society, not only as a family, but right that this trickle down effect is way bigger than just myself and the little right, the little three of us as our family, or it's not like the six of you, right? Like. There's greater stuff that's going on real time that to me is way bigger than money and not, again, I'm, I'm a capitalist, right? I'm, I want to make every dollar, right? But I want to make sure that my daughter doesn't have to deal with any of the shit that I had to deal with. And my stuff's not even really that bad, right? It's just, it's just mental tangling that I've had to untangle. It's like, well, man, if, if every person that's in our generation would fucking stop for a second, it's okay to like, I've raised my hand all the time. Like, I don't have the shit figured out yet. Right. Like, Help me. Like, you know more than I do, I think. Can you help me learn the shit so I can give it to somebody else? Like, our generation just seems so famous. Like, no, no, I don't need any help. I got this shit. No fucking way you have all this. Right. None of us have all this. Yeah, and, man. And that goes into, the, I think, the next part of your trajectory, your evolution, where you get geared up with your podcast. Right? Podcast starts rocking and rolling. 
and you somehow right John Lee Dumas you just brought up and Robert Green and Andy Versella like your what's your hit list right up give you a chance to pound your chest for a second let's go through these people that you've interviewed because you had some baller ass people on your show right on i appreciate that bro um yeah man i mean i mean I, fuck it i'll just share my little process because i because anybody could do it because because the reason dude if i check this out i started a podcast before my podcast anytime i tried to collaborate with any entrepreneur Nobody took me seriously. Uh, I was just an ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave the time of day to. And, and I was pissed because of that. And I get it. Uh, you know, people have their judgments. We all judge. Anybody says that they don't judge, that's a lie because it's literally we're hardwired that way. We, we, we immediately have to form an opinion of anything and anybody we come into contact with. So, but I wasn't going to let those judgments keep me in that mold. And so that's the reason why I started this podcast. I heard the story about this guy being able to like people banging on his door, like nobody wanted to collaborate with him before. And then people banging on his doors afterwards. I'm like, man, that's what I'm going through. Let's just give it a shot. And, uh, and it happened, bro. And, and like, I literally launched a podcast, got it ranked third day on Apple. And next week we had Billy Gina's marketing on the show. And it's just been a crazy snowball effect ever since. And then I, you know, after about a year of having the podcast was able to break through and, and build a six figure business of it. Um, but here's the process, bro. Literally. You, you make a list and, and, and you don't have to have 150 names or whatever, all this stuff that they say. Start off with 20 fucking names, bro, because that's all you're going to pitch in that first week anyways, whatever. Start off with 20 names and just add three to five names to that list every day. Put it on a Google spreadsheet of the people that you want. I don't care if it's Grant Cardone, Andy Frisco, whatever. Put them on the list. And then you reach out. You hit them up on their email and their so, and slide in their DMs on social media. You can find their emails on, on their websites. Go to their podcast and click website, and then it brings you to their website and then shows their little contact. You might have to get through some gatekeepers, whatever. Then when you make the pitch, man, just make it really short and sweet to the point. You think about it. These people are super busy. They're getting hit up all the time, and they got a lot going on. And if they open up your email and it's an autobiography, they're going to feel anxiety, and they're probably not even going to read it because they're freaking out of all the shit they got to do. So if you're just like, hey, man, you're a perfect fit for my show. I got a top rated podcast. I'd love to have you come on. Hit them with a one sentence credibility factor. I say I did over five years in prison and built a six figure business. You can learn more about me at here. Points to my website. Let me know if we can make this happen. Talk soon. And that's it. And like, you're not going to get every single body person on your show. But if you just do that, you're going to get a lot of these people on your show. And then it starts building momentum. And then you can start doing name dropping if you do follow ups and all this stuff. And it just builds on. You just got to get started. Start with 20 fucking names. And that's it. I love that. I love that because, man, this is this is just an incredible interview for me, right? We we overcomplicate everything. Like the human mind is convinced that something has to be way harder than it is. So we we plan and we strategize. And we go through all these different things. Just take rapid, imperfect, consistent action. That's it. Right. Like every day, do something to drive you towards what you want. Like Dana Derrick's Dream One Hundred, great one. Well, he's not the one that came up with it. He's just the one that marketed it the best way. Like that's just been around forever. <laughs> like, make a list of people and reach out to them in an authentic way that doesn't bore them. Pretty, yep. pretty simple. And when you don't hear back from them because you're not going to right away, follow up with them again. <laughs> Say it a little bit different, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and if that doesn't work, do it again in a slightly different way. And eventually, people will start responding. And that builds credibility. And then it's easier to get more and more people on the show because when a Billie Jean is marketing, who knows Andy and then Andy, I don't know the order, right? But then Andy comes on the show and Andy knows Grant and then Grant sees that and he's like, ah, shit, I'll come on the show. And then Grant, like, 
it just starts to become easier and easier because you build the momentum. Yep. And you get the confidence. And when you start pitching, like, dude, I have these people on, man. You're a perfect fit. Let's get you on. I want to promote your message to my audience, blah, 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 blah. All that, man. When I look at right, podcasting being the largest growth area, really for any, I don't care if you're a current entrepreneur, a startup entrepreneur, you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, you not having a podcast at some point becomes like a disservice to your long-term success. If you ever plan on going out on your own, if you ever plan on representing your own brand, coaching, mentoring, consulting, I don't care if you want to start the t-shirt company, right? You brought up to start with, <laughs> you might as well start gaining a tribe in the least crowded marketplace, which is the podcasting platform. And oddly enough, I have a guest on the show by the name of Zachary that can help you get your shit launched, right? I mean, you, you can help somebody launch your show, edit their show, get them ranked. Like, talk to me about that whole, you know, to give away the secret sauce. I actually don't even want you to give away the secret sauce, but you have a way to walk somebody through the front door, if you will, of Apple and get them ranked. Just explain your, your, the business model behind the business model. I appreciate it, bro. I will give away the secret sauce. Here's, here's, my, th here's my thing, dude. I, I literally give my stuff for free all the time because there's two types of people. There's a do-it-yourselfers, the people that value their money over time, and then there's the people that value their time over money that will hear it, and they're like, I don't give a shit. That's awesome, but I'm not going to do it. I want to pay you to do it for me or whatever. And then people always are focused on serving them versus it. I feel like if you serve the do-it-yourselfers too and you help them out, then they're going to love your brand and fall in love and then they're going to sing your praises to other people and they'll end up bringing more people that value their time over money as well. Or when they get to the point where they value their time or money, they're going to pay you anyways. But yeah, long, long story short, sorry about that. It's all good. Uh, literally to get ranked on Apple, all you got to do is get written reviews. And if you can't get people to lie, leave you a written review, you probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> literally. Um, but have people check out your podcast and leave you a written review. And how I do it is I personally ask people. I don't make a large post on Facebook because nobody's going to do that shit anyways because it's a generalized message. But if you take the time to actually message somebody and be like, hey, man, got a huge favor to ask. You treat them like a real person. You wait for them to respond. You just don't copy and paste a message. I'm like, yeah, sure. What's up? I'm like, hey, man, could you check out my podcast and leave me an honest written review if I send you a link? Yeah, no problem, man. Cool. Dude, appreciate you taking your time to do this. Here's a link. Boom. Just like that. And it's, it's super simple, uh, but it's worked. We've helped over 40 clients do the same exact thing with 100% success rate. I've done it myself. Um, it's literally just treating people like real human beings, just how you would offline, treating them the same way, treating people online the same way you would offline. Like you wouldn't walk up to a, in a party to someone like, hey, man, I got this and this. My podcast, go leave a review, blah, 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 blah. Without even giving them a chance to respond, you would like, hey, what's up, man? Boom, boom, boom. You start having a conversation and stuff, and then you get to the point where you make the ask. Same thing you do off uh, online, what you do offline. And, and Zachary, when you talk about that's incredible strategy, thank you for sharing that. But if we look at the tactical side of things, an average startup podcast with good listen through rate with a handful of episodes out, how many written reviews are you seeing that it takes to get actual ranking to appear? Yeah, man. So I had Rock Thomas with the uh, with the I Am uh, Movement podcast. He hit it in 24 hours with seven written reviews. Now that was ridiculous. That was super low. Uh, but I, the most I seen it uh, was with like uh, Shatter the Mold podcast with Andrew Kaplan. He did it with 65 written reviews. All of them though have hit it in less than 48 hours. So which is crazy. 48 hours you can get your podcast ranked. Now here's the thing. Let's talk about the the real deal here. When you get ranked, that's awesome. It's great. You'd be like, hey, I had a top-rated podcast. But it really doesn't mean crap. 
it doesn't all it is is positioning you use that as leveraging to to start getting big names on your shows and also get your audience hyped up about it and you're probably going to drop out of the top rankings in the beginning because you don't have all the consistent downloads coming to your show so you're going to be up there you're going to be able to use that screenshot and whatever and use it as leverage and now you are a top rated podcaster even if you drop out you still own that title but it doesn't mean nothing unless you keep it going and you use that to leverage to keep building that momentum absolutely Right. I mean, it, we talked about my, I'll say my interim show, right? Optimized Life. That was a complete flop. Thank you for listening and not enjoying it. I appreciate that. Not you specifically, but as you're listening, right? I, I received the feedback perfectly. But in that, when I launched it, it was super easy because I just asked actual friends, like people in my phone. I said, hey, I'm launching this show. I've got a couple episodes out. Would you mind listening, giving a review? And I had, I think, 125 reviews in the first day. Right, like nice. the first day I asked. And so not only did I hit ranking, but I hit the new noteworthy, right? Like the fancy, fancy section where, right, it keeps it there for a week or whatever that build up a little bit of momentum. I share that because even if you don't know Zachary enough, Zachary, what's your podcast so people can get, take a step closer to you, right? I, I should have brought that up way earlier than right now, but here we sit. <laughs> All good, man. It's uh, Underdog Empowerment. So Underdog Empowerment, if you... Number one, go download, go subscribe, go do all that with his with Zachary show because not only does he offer phenomenal content, but also has some incredible guests on that you're going to learn a lot about a lot of different variables inside of Zachary's world. But secondarily, to gain that trust in him, if for some reason you're not trusting what he has to say, just go look at my history on Optimized Life. Like this is actually how this game works, right? Like I believe in, oh, shit, this is, this is exciting. <laughs> No different than the imperfect, consistent action. You need consistency in podcasting. You need consistent episodes to be put out at a consistent cadence. I believe that iTunes is somewhat monitoring listen-through rate. So if you're uncertain about what to do to start with, you're like, I don't know how to podcast, put out some nice 10, 15-minute episodes to get some good listen-through rate, right? To make sure that people are enjoying what you have to say. They're not like pressing download and never listening to it because I don't think that helps as you start a show. Right. And then if you don't have 25 or 30 people that will honestly review your show, just like Zachary said, maybe you get together the content and start being friends with more people before you launch, right? Like, because it, this is true for everything, right? Like any business that I've ever been a part of, everybody wants the shit to start and be way more successful, way quicker than it actually can be. And that was myself included. I, I own this. I'm, when 15 Minutes to Freedom first launched, I had every promoter, every everything going on possible because I thought like when I saw things on Fiverr that you could get a promotion to start with, I actually thought they were going to promote it, right? I thought it was like actually paying and right, all of a sudden I'm spiking a number one, number two in the charts. I'm like, man, this doesn't make any sense at all. And I'm watching the stats and it's like, oh, this is just all bullshit, right? It's it's fake. It's bots. It's it's people in sweatshops logging in and logging out of iTunes accounts, pressing download. It's, it was really a grimy game. And that kicked me in the rear end. Like eventually iTunes kicked me out of like you couldn't, you could type in 15 minutes of freedom unless you typed it all the way in. It wouldn't even pop up in iTunes. Like I was out, out. It's only been in the past six weeks or so. Maybe that now it actually populates and it, it pops back in. Like I was out for a year on the bench by trying to take the fucking shortcut. Like there's just no shortcut to anything in life. Amen. Like, if you think there's a shortcut, you might want to try that as like a plan C, like run that in the background, but make sure your plan A is to just do the hard work consistently because you're going to get there quicker. Like there's a chance maybe that that shortcut eventually leads to somewhere good, but in marketing, 
like IG, Facebook, it, podcasting. Man, that just doesn't work anymore. It's not 1999, right? Like <laughs> you're going to have to show up with good, consistent quality content where people actually give a shit about it. Yep. Right. Like and that's kind of the quote unquote secret formula. Be a good person, share good quality content, speak to the right audience, know their pain points, solve their pain points for them in a consistent manner longer than anybody else does. Yep. Amen, dude. I love that you said about the shortcuts too, man. I literally, the only, I, I'm a firm believer in that. And the only thing you can do to streamline the process, because you have to develop the actual skills and become a master of those skills, not not a fake expert that's just a couple I hate that click funnel thing like oh you, you just got to be a like they give that example of the uh Frank whatever from the uh catch me if you can movie like yeah all you gotta do is just be a, a couple chapters uh ahead or whatever that dude ended up going to prison and I don't like prison dude I've been there enough dude like <laughs> I don't want to be the fake expert anymore dude you know so like you got a real expert what a real expert is put over 10,000 hours of developing their craft man so Start building those skills. And, 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 and like you said, the, the, the fastest way to streamline that process to develop those skills, though, is find somebody that already has what you want and become their student. Whether you got to pay them money, whether you got to barter services, uh, uh, introduce them to someone in your network that would be a power play for them, uh, work for them for free, whatever the hell it is that you got to do to get direct feedback from them. I literally know of no faster way to streamline that process of developing skills than that. And if you know of a better way, literally hit me up at contact at zacharybabcock.com send me an email and i'll cc ryan on it if you find something that's better and we'll talk about it on the next podcast yeah man i love that call to action because i feel like as a coach mentor consultant whatever the you know the the bullshit term is i want to put behind my name it it almost gets old saying it because it's, i don't even give a shit if you pay me for what i know like I always have someone or some group of people that I'm paying for information that's above and beyond my current scope of understanding and reality. Like, and if you think as you're listening that you can read one book and that's magic and change your life, you're foolish and an idiot. Yeah. Like, but I also would say, if you think just one coach is going to completely change the trajectory of everything forever, he might, or she might present new perspectives and share what works, but it's going to come down to your consistent, imperfect implementation of what they're teaching. Like, it takes real work and it takes making mistakes. Like I look at paying a coach, mentor, consultant, I'm paying them to not make the mistakes that they made is literally all I'm looking at. It's like, we're all going to, we all have to make the mistakes, but if I can pay you, Zachary, if, if you would have been around when I launched my podcast, so I didn't go down the route of paying promoters and getting kicked out of iTunes and do all like, it would have been worth I, shit. It probably a hundred grand to me personally at this point, like really when I look wow. back at what it cost me, Right of lost opportunity of not appearing in searches, not being able to have people find me, people emailing me in my time with them saying like, you're not, a, I can't find your podcast anywhere. Like, damn it. Like I literally have to Camtasia showing them you have to type it all the way in and having it pop up. Like it's worth investing. And same thing, just like Zachary said, I get it financially. When you need to invest the most is when you have the least. It is always that way. Like, the mastermind principle of right, you know, I'm in this 20K or 50K mastermind. That's like a different, not saying it's not valuable, but it's different. Like I, when I was broke, my wife bought me Tony Robbins stuff. And like, that was my entry point into personal development was literally going down the Tony Robbins rabbit hole. And then all the twists and turns from that and then paying for coaches and mentors and it's like doing that whole thing. But I'm sharing that because you might have to, I'm not going to advocate taking a title loan out on your car, but right? Like 
if you believe in your shit enough and your credit's not destroyed, you might have to get a 0% for, you know, six month Capital One credit card with a $3,000 limit. You might have to put 500 bucks on it to trust in yourself. Cause like that's that back against the wall principle. Like I'm not going to, I mean, if I'm putting 500 bucks on a credit card or 3000 or whatever the number is, I got to fucking pay this thing off. Right. Like, or burn my life to the ground. Right. Like, I don't know. It, it, it seems so simple when I say it. Right. But it's so difficult in the moment to like grab your balls and go out and do it. So I, I, from, from my experience and like we were talking about earlier, all you could talk about is speak on is, you know, from the experiences that you've had in life, because it's literally how we see the world is shaped through our own experiences. Right. So when I'm, I'm all about the burning the boats. Like that's my strategy, bro. Cause that's, and this is a deep, some people are like, well, if you do this or that, you know, you'll get the, the, the technical guys. So you got to watch how you craft it. But look, every single thing that I've ever done, anytime I've made any breakthrough in my life, anytime I've ever changed something or reached new heights or gotten to the next level was no plan B all in focus attention on what I was going to do with my back against the wall. In many of those cases, um, now the back against wall mentality I might not be dead broke and flat broke anymore and getting a title loan on my car, but I'm still making back against the wall decisions, like playing with that mindset every single day. Cause that's what move when you, when your back is against that wall, there's nowhere to move, but forward at that point. And I don't know. That's just my whole philosophy. I know a lot of people are against the burn the boats philosophy, but it's, it's panned out for me pretty much. No. And I, I love that. Right. And I put, uh, if you don't love what Zachary's saying, I have a slightly different thing. The boat that I use to get to the island, I don't want to burn that boat. If I'm going to take a fucking helicopter from the island and go find a new boat and a new island. I can come back to the one that I already, that I already have. I don't have to destroy that, but I got to go find another, another boat, another island. I got to go find another conquest and not be anywhere near what the safety net is, right? Like, because it's always going to work. I mean, again, you've had some phenomenal interviews with some phenomenal people and they have achieved a level of financial success that I think is beyond what most people can comprehend. Right. But from knowing some of the same people, those people still operate like their backs against the wall every day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really when you can start to train yourself that way to never get comfortable, like you can know in the back of your mind, like, all right, if I took, if I take a breather for a week, my life's not going to implode. Like that, I think it's super healthy. I don't believe in the 20 hour work day. Like that's just my, I think there needs to be more. I want to spend more time doing more things than just strapped here to my desk. I want to make sure I'm present for my family. I want to do stuff for myself. Like that's my belief system though. But right. I have that freakish ability as do you, as does anybody I think is truly successful at the snap of my fingers in my mind. My bank account is at negative $4,000 and I'm going to fucking do everything I can to turn on, to get to wherever the number is I have to get to. Yeah. Right? Like my back is against the wall immediately. Like, I literally, before our interview, I sat down with Kurt inside the office. I'm like, man, I don't, I don't care that it's January 1st, but right as I'm looking at my goal for the first quarter, I'm like, all right, it, we got a lot of shit to do in a really short period of time. I'm going to triple down on my content. I'm going to put out two new trainings every day for all of January and half of February. So it's all done. And he's like, well, shit. Cause that's, you know, PDFs. That's all the things behind the scenes. And it's like, it's, it's a ripple effect, but that's because I have to operate now. Just like, it's, it sounds like what you're saying is though, none of this shit exists. Like it could all go away tomorrow. Yeah. 
Yeah, that mindset right there, dude. That that moves the needle forward every single time. I dude, for me, if I don't feel that way, I, I get lazy and complacent. Like I gotta feel like I, I've been that way my whole time. I don't have to. I choose to feel that way because that's how I've always lived in it. And early on in life, it's got me in a lot of trouble. And now that I've grown a little bit wiser, I'm not. I don't. I don't have all the answers. Like I'm just like you. I'm a student of life. But now I can take more calculated risk. And it pans out for me more often than not. But no, actually, no, actually, no, actually, it pans out. It, it's the other way around. I fail more and more than I win. It just looks like I win a lot. But I actually fail way more than I actually win still. It's just I, I keep growing and keep failing at harder things, but get the bigger wins. For sure. So, Zachary, if, if there was one, one thing that you want to leave every listener with, right, that one, that one message, that one takeaway, that one thing you want to be remembered for, what would you share with everybody as your parting wisdom? Man, you know, I'm a, for me, what changed my life around was literally everything wrong in my life is my fault. Everything right in my life is my fault. Like when I took legit, complete ownership of my life, that's when my life changed. And that's when I started having the power. Like before, when I was going through prison and drug addiction, all that shit, anytime anything went wrong in life, like I would blame anything and anybody else but myself. But when I started taking that, that complete ownership and, and, and here, here you go, you'll get people like, well, you can't stop certain things from happening. Yeah, you're right. All right, so a tornado could come through and it could tear down your house and kill your family. God forbid all that shit happens, but that shit could happen. It's an act of nature. You couldn't stop that shit, right? However, you can either decide to, to be miserable and go kill yourself or whatever or go out and kill other people and just live a, a miserable life and a miserable existence and whatever afterwards, or you could choose to eternalize that pain and turn into some power and go help other people or whatever it is and do something positive. If you're like, regardless of what you decide to do, it's your choice. So you always have the freedom to choose how you respond. I learned that shit from uh, uh, a man search for me, Victory Frankel. That dude went through the Nazi death camps and talks about how he was going through these brutal, getting tortured over. It made my five years in prison look like a daycare, dude. And, and he always said you, you could strip of someone of all their freedoms, but you can't take away that. Your freedom to choose how you respond to anything in life. And that right there is power. Like that's what gave me the power to turn my whole life around and get to where I'm at today. Zachary, man, I, I couldn't be more happy to have you as a guest on the show. This has been an incredibly fun, however long it's been. I look forward to our part two, which is inevitably going to happen. Right? Like this is, this is just super exciting for me. Thank you so much for your time, my man. Hey, man, can't wait to, you're getting ready to come on the show, too, so I can't wait to jam again. This has been a super fun. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Zachary. 